So last week I came across a clip of Joe Rogan and Forrest Galante. Uh, he's a conservationist. Um, and he was talking about uh, some of the technologies they're using to bring back the mammoth um, as a conservationist thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to play the clip for you guys and then kind of tie that into what, what, what we're going to be talking about next. It's real life Jurassic Park with purpose. Where are they going to put them? First one they're working on is the woolly mammoth, right? And this isn't just for fun. This, is, this has real, like, important conservation implications, which is really fascinating. Starting with, I think, 100 mammoths and putting them in this park in Siberia um, that they've been doing this experiment on as to what happens when you add megafauna back into the Arctic tundra to offset carbon emissions. Wow. And so they're using what DNA? They're using elephant DNA and mixing it with something else? Indian elephant is the closest living relative to the woolly mammoth. And what does an Indian elephant look like? Is it similar to an elephant? Yeah, it's a smaller... So African elephants are bigger. They have the really big ears. Right. Indian elephants are typically the ones you'd see at the circus, you know, with the red, the pink in the ears, the smaller triangular-shaped mm. ears. And they're using CRISPR technology, and they're using existing mammoth DNA, and they're making an embryo, and then they're implanting it into the Indian elephant, and 22 months later, an Indian elephant's gestation period, she will give birth to a mammoth. A real mammoth. A real mammoth. So it's not like a hybrid? If you imagine the DNA of an animal, right, and then you imagine the fragments that are broken out of it, right, what they're doing is they're taking that DNA, Mm. and all those pieces that are missing from the mammoth, they're putting in um, Indian elephant pieces. So you end up with an animal that is physically and morphologically identical to a mammoth, but has used all of the DNA from the closest living relatives in order to get there. So he basically just um, explained the like premise of Jurassic Park. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought it'd be interesting to kind of go through like what Jurassic Park was and what it was trying to say as a kind of warning against unbridled technology and such. Um, do you guys have any thoughts? Yeah. Um, Jurassic Park is one of my favorite movies, and it's an extremely uh, entertaining book. I've read the book twice. Um, really fun read. Um, but at the heart of it, it's a morality tale about the dangers of uh, technological and scientific exploration. Uh and keeping it in check with this uh, a sense of responsibility uh, and respect towards nature. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, on the face of it, it might just seem like a, a thriller, uh, you know, dinosaurs running around eating people, fun, yeah. <laughs> fun times. Um, but, uh, you know, that, 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 that whole thriller aspect of it is a result of these scientists and these um, uh, innovators uh, not respecting nature. Um, yeah. As the famous quote from Ian Malcolm is that they stood on the shoulders of giants mm-hmm. uh, and, and not and and they didn't have any discipline in require uh, in acquiring that technology and and of course his famous line has become kind of a meme uh, you know your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could they didn't stop to ask uh, to to wonder if they should right and so that's kind of like the 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 morality um, in the novel in the story in the, mm-hmm. in the movie too. Uh, and then it, it comes back to bite them. So no pun, no pun, no pun intended. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it really bites them hard. Um, nice. so, <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because when you start to ask this quest, question of 
whether or not scientists should. Yeah. You're appealing to a moral, uh, immaterial principle. Right. Uh, where does that should come from? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, as believers, as, you know, uh, Christians, God, yeah. you know, like, and right. so is, is, is the question of the novel, um, like, nature should be, uh, you know, a man's um, interference with nature uh, and use of uh, uh, science and, use, yeah, um, manipulating nature, uh, should it be subservient to a higher principle? Uh, what we would call God, mm-hmm. uh, or is just nature this like principle that we just respect because it's other again, but like yeah, that whole like um language of should is right. very interesting. Yeah, I think the the film really kind of pushes and the book too, like the idea of chaos theory mm-hmm. and just like things will you know inevitably explode into the yeah. possibilities, um, and it doesn't quite point to like an ordered like a divine order as opposed to something that needs to be reverenced. But I feel like there's still the, a very similar um, kind of warning at that. Like there's something that you need that you need to be in awe of. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like what, what sometimes people are in awe of is, is the science itself. Yeah. Right. It's like they're in awe of what they can do. Mm-hmm. And as opposed to, um, I guess the, uh, a more, something more transcendent that, frames what they can do mm-hmm. that kind of boxes in what they can do but it's more mm-hmm. um perhaps maybe it, it seems like there's a little bit of uh an obsession with the past like recreating mm. the past you know we like we could try to bring back i don't know i don't really know the sciences mm-hmm. but bring back a a recently extinct species right but instead, it's like let's go all the way back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's bring back the dinosaurs. Yeah, you know, because we don't know much about you know. Yeah. Uh, truly, then you know, no one alive really has an experience of a T right. Rex. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of more interested in that. Yeah, and, it's more and, mythical in that sense. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. They're kind of yeah. Again, more interested in what they can do, and more interested in like this mythical past than they than they are about a uh, reverence of something higher. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a reach. I mean, the farther back you reach, I guess, the more of a like flex of technology that would be. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? For like, sure. If you could bring back something that went extinct 100 years ago, it's like, okay, mm. that's cool. Like, congrats. But it's right. like, no, no, like millions of years. Like, the farther back in time yeah. as that's a factor true. of just how much more technology would take to do that. Yeah. And, and, I mean, so there's a couple of, you know, things to consider, I think, in the specific, specific question of cloning. Uh, I think... You know, one is that man was given dominion over nature mm-hmm. um, in order to better his life, to nourish him, uh, to delight in it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, intrinsically, cloning is not an evil. Right. Um, animal now, cloning. Now, yeah, animal cloning, of course. You know, <laughs> when it gets to questions of human cloning, mm-hmm. that's a different yeah. topic. But, like, when we're talking about mammoths and, you know, but, you know yeah. in the sci-fi realm, mm-hmm. dinosaurs... Uh, it's not intrinsically evil. And, you know, I think the best case scenario um, uh, would be, you know, maybe cloning animals uh, to eat, you know, if right. there's a shortage, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and yep. there's a country that's starving, yep. let's clone cows. Well, that's the, whole, the whole point of the mammoth thing is that they're, they want to put these in a spot that can help the conservation, right. air, like the area stay, you know, 
I have to cycle move. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like if things were stuck because of things going extinct, they can like introduce new species to help it <clears throat> regenerate. Right. And, and of course, uh, Jurassic Park is, uh, in order to sh- uh, showcase the moral problem, mm-hmm. uh, Michael Crichton, the author, uh, it's, it's for entertainment purposes. Right. You know, it's dinosaurs, which is, mm-hmm. you know, again, mythical. It's like, it's really like elaborate and yeah. fantastical, um, to showcase like the, the, the problem, um, Whereas I think realistically, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, conservation, um, feeding, feeding people with animals, yep. it gets tricky. Like, okay, where is the respect for nature versus the need for man, his uh, dominion over creation versus respect for creation? Um, all, all these things are um, part of the problem. And I don't think it's a clear answer about what we, uh, you know, any, any, um, any uh, exploration in cloning is going to... Um, bring with it problems that yeah. don't have clear solutions. It's kind of a garment of skin, the way yeah, I see it. Yeah, it. it's really mm-hmm. just um, a technology problem in general. This is kind yeah. of where I wanted to go with this, because I don't think this is just a cloning problem. This is no, not like right. a bringing... Like, what's the problem of bringing back mammoths? Like, I don't want to go into a deep dive about mammoths. Yeah, right. It's really just right. a problem of technology as to, like, to what end? Yeah. You know, like, when when uh, Hammond keeps saying, we spared no expense, Yeah. like, that comes back to bite him right at the end, and... uh Ellie is like explaining to him like you can't control this. This is out of control. Whatever. And she takes like a scoop of ice cream. She's like, "This is good." And he's like, "We spared no expense." But yeah. like that last time he says that is a recognition that like everything went to shambles. Like people are di- people have died. My loved ones are gone, missing. That's the expense yeah. of what this ambition led me to. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it's a question of like how is technology supposed to be used, and. Uh, to what expense? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And technology, I think that that's why, that's the fear, is that with more garments of skin, are we getting closer to our end? You know, when, when God gives us, when God gives man dominion over creation, it's so that they can find their proper end in him. Mm-hmm. Right? All of that is to be used so that they can then better find union with God. Right. That's, and that's the ultimate end. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's instinctually, I think people know this. You know, it's funny when um, we were discussing this podcast before filming, um, you know, and, and watching these clips, uh, if you read some of the comments, uh, the, the people were just saying like, nature should not be disturbed, you know, and, and again, like this whole question of what we ought to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that instinct that people are bringing out uh, in this comments and in general uh, is this knowledge that with more technology, there's a danger of us becoming less human. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and again, that whole analogy of uh, garments of skin, it's like, yes, it may make our lives more convenient, more comfortable, mm-hmm. but what are we getting at ultimately? Right. Um, right. Yeah, this is something yeah. Peugeot mentions too when he talks about the garments and skin and how that relates. Because, I mean, in Revelation, you have the New Jerusalem. And so the garments and skin become a, the garments of glory. Mm-hmm. In that, like, the answer is not no technology. Right. The answer is not to l- remove yourself from dominion over the world as God put us yeah. in charge. So the question is, what is the proper relationship? And yeah. not so much like, well, we can't do that. It's like, well, how would we do this? Under what frame should we be looking at these things? Like, is conservation of X land beneficial to humans? Because mm-hmm. that's really our yeah. concern. You know, it's like things like that. Yeah, the, the, the question of the, the proper use of technology is, is an interesting one because 
on one hand, technology is certainly, I guess you could argue, is certainly human. Mm-hmm. You know, like humans are yeah. one of the, you know, yep. the only species that have advanced technology. I guess you could mm-hmm. argue apes have like Rocks sticks. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, they have like <clears throat> elementary yeah. like uh-huh. tools. Um, and so, sir, so technology can be at the service to make you kind of more human, mm-hmm. perhaps. But then there's at what point does technology become unnatural, right? To humans, mm-hmm. like because I, I know now it's very popular to talk about you know well we weren't made to like sit down for eight hours yeah, yeah. and we weren't uh-huh. you know yeah um, and yeah, all that true. so is but um, so there's like big like we need to go back to mm-hmm. like a time when we worked with our hands and everything like that but right. yeah even then though there was there was this progress of making your life easier with technology like, yep. that's always been like the human mode yeah so when does I guess turn and start working against you right yeah if, if that makes sense yeah. no it, like, I, and I think um that's you know it's it's an interesting point that you bring up the animals um, using tools um, and, and you know one could argue that that is technology and so technology is natural to man. But I think on another level, um, we know intuitively that the technology that man builds or that man creates is fundamentally different than tools that animals use. And I think that we, our language implies this. Like when we see a, um, a beaver build a dam, mm-hmm. we don't say that that's artifice. We don't say that that's artificial. That's mm-hmm. nature, right? A bird building a nest, right. that's natural. Right, right. But when, why is it when a man builds a house, we say that that's artificial? right. Right, what separates man's yeah. uh, creation yeah. from a- an anim- an yeah. animal creation? Yeah, and I think it's be- it, the the key differentiating fact is uh, reason. Mm-hmm. Like we are um, applying our reason to matter mm-hmm. to then create something that is uh, that we give meaning to, right? right. Mm-hmm. And so, whereas the bird builds the the house out of uh, his nest out of mm-hmm. necessity to um, thrive. Mm-hmm. Man can build a house that is not only um, just built for comfort and, and for um, shelter. living, shelter, mm-hmm. but then it could be beautiful. Right. It could be a house of entertainment. It could be a house of yeah. sin. It could, you know right, what I'm saying? Right, like there's, right. there's a whole world caught up in the artifice that man builds right. rather than the creation that um, comes about in nature. That actually naturally. really emphasizes that point we were making earlier about what is the reason. Like yeah. if the difference between a, a beaver dam and a house is the reason, like the man's intellectual, reason. yeah, man's yeah. reason. Then, like the reason for something is going to have like it's that's that's the ultimate question as yeah. to why this technology is taking right. Place. And I think that that is that is the fundamental differ- differentiating factor of uh, uh, of our artifice and um, nature is um, man's ability to impose meaning on something. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, and and that's that's where. Um, that's where the respect of nature comes in and the um, dominion over right. nature comes right. in. And like that balance, right? Yep. Um, because if you take it too far, then you become like gods, right? And, and this mm-hmm. is something I want to uh, kind of unpack yeah, too, yeah. is that um, that temptation all the way from the beginning, from you know, the, the snake tempting Adam and Eve in the garden, you shall be like gods. Mm-hmm. Um, you can impose your own meaning. You can decide for yourself what is good and evil. You can decide for yourself what this technology will be for you and like what your end mm-hmm. is, right? right. Um, because I think the temptation also with technology is to believe that it's amoral. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, uh, all technology is just about how you use mm-hmm. it. 
Which I, I'm not totally convinced of that. I think if you take a broader step back and realize that every decision is a moral decision, then yeah. you start to realize, like, it's not a mm-hmm. technology problem. I mean, it is, but it's, it's really a decision problem. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's like every, like, what color shirt I wear is a moral question, but not as an existential, like, oh, which one's going to make me sin? It's, no, why am I choosing a particular shirt today? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. There, yeah, and, and I mean, that kind of branches off into human acts and acts that are human. And, and this is a distinction that Thomas makes, right? Yeah, mm. right, yeah. right. Um, Can you unpack that? Yeah, well, yeah. I'm, my oh, man. Ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> no, and so... Was, uh, human acts... Human, human acts are ones that are rational, right? Yes, and acts that are human are not necessarily rational. Right, because right. there's some... There's It's basically different between instinctual, right? Mm. Yeah. And rational. Mm-hmm acts yeah and then the the human acts are the one that carries moral value to it um so interesting yeah and so this is a whole other topic but i i don't know if like you know picking between a green shirt and a blue shirt um like i don't know i would that's not characterized as a a a moral act well the thing is your disposition but it could well if i wanted people to lust after me i'm going to particularly you know, choose a specific right. shirt. You know, it's right. like that's fair. your motives yeah. and your perspective and your reason for things yes. makes every decision a moral one. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. why are you like you know? And then when it gets to the the aspect of okay, is red holier than blue? It's like that's that's the 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 difference where that's not really a moral question, right? Right. But right. it's like your own perspective. So it's like when you're doing things like creating technology, it's not a technological problem yeah. as opposed to a human choice problem. Right. Right. Um, yeah, your intention to to. Right, exactly, and that, and that's what you're kind of creating meaning, yeah, uh, onto any given um, uh, choice between any given choice. So, uh, technically, I mean, that's also there's a term Verveke uses. I don't know if I mentioned it before. It's called combinatorially explosive. It just yeah. means that like the amount of choices you would have to make are too vast, almost like this chaos theory thing, where it's like you can't calculate what's the best color shirt to wear. And fitting so that you avoid leading anyone into temptation and and remain true to your purpose. Like yeah. there's too many options, and so like the best thing to do is like to frame that into a like, I need a shirt. I'm going to work. Wearing a shirt is appropriate, and this is what I'm doing to you know ultimately glorify God in my life and live right. out my vocation. Like it, it gets compact into a smaller frame, yeah. As opposed to like having to make all those decisions. Right, right. That right. gets too too much. Um. <laughs> That's why I have two color shirts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I yeah, feel that. Because it makes life so simple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so simple. Um, but going back to the um, question about technology being amoral, any specific te- technology being amoral or moral, uh, I think the classic example, I think of this, um, or a good example, I should say, uh, is a phone, right? Like a, yeah. a smartphone. You can use it to pray your breviary. You know, you can use it to um, uh, navigate you to church. Yeah. <laughs> to um, subscribe to our podcast. <laughs> there you hey. go. Hey, <laughs> nice plug. Um, or you can use it for sinful purposes, yeah. right? Um, so that, it would seem like that is an amoral technology. Right. On the other hand, I think when these developer developers and engineers and scientists are developing phones, they have a specific end in mind. Mm. Uh, you know, I don't think it's just like, you can do whatever you want. Um, I mean, tied to a business, there's a, uh, you know, they, they want to make money. Right. Uh, and 
you know, contracts with uh, d- other developers for apps. Uh, like, what is their end mm-hmm. in mind for right. the, their users? Yeah, like That's social a, media, for example. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, you can say, oh, social media is amoral. Is it, though? Like, is the end of social media, like, what you choose? Right. Or is there a sense of it leading you down a path towards a specific end? Yeah. Uh, and I don't, I don't think it's as clear as just saying everything's immoral. Uh, immoral, amoral yeah, yeah, yeah. in in technology. So uh, this is yeah. this kind of ties back to what you were saying, Lee, about like when do these technologies become like a necrosis to humanity? Like you know, we're not meant to sit down for eight hours. So like, how bad is it that we all have computers? Um, the problem with technology is that like when you put on armor, it protects you and and affords you uh, like a stronger wielding against your enemy. Mm-hmm. But that means you're less required to exercise and to be physically fit. And so that armor that you put on, the garment of skin, can become uh, a, a problem to your nature in that it, it weakens you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, so like if I use a sword all the time, I don't actually have to be as strong because I have a technology that increases my strength. Yeah. Um, so it's like the problem of sitting down all the time. The thing is, the solution to that is like, well, make sure you go exercise. Mm-hmm. You know, like make sure you, so instead of having to work in the field, we now work on computers, but then have to go to the gym. So now there's yeah. like two things, like you're going to already start to see the like splitting explosion yeah. of what happens when you put on too much, too much technology and to repair that. Um, one of the things I've been thinking about in, in terms of solving this problem and like, what is the solution to this in terms of how do you use technology the right way? It actually ties back to something like the evolution of trees. <laughs> Nice. Weirdly enough. <laughs> um, so trees evolved, you know, they're competing for water and minerals and such. And so they're, um, you have them all at similar heights and the ones that compete for sunlight grow up and the ones that are competing more so for minerals stay low. And that's what bushes are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you could say that trees increase their technology by growing up and growing a longer stalk and they're competing for that sunlight. But in order to do that, they have to have a more intricate and wider root system. And again, it's all for the purpose of photosynthesis and all for the end of the tree. It's not for its own sake. It's mm-hmm. not like, hey, look, of, look how big this tree is for no reason. It's all towards the end of the tree. Mm-hmm. But the, in, order, in order for it to, to remain stable, it has to have the equal Roots. parts rooted. Yeah. And so doing something like, well, okay, we have the technology of sitting down for eight hours and I can do so much work. I can run a business all on my computer. Now I have to become rooted and doing mm. things more primordial and more connected to the earth, like lifting weights. Yeah. You know I'm saying lifting yeah, heavy, yeah. like, you know, it, it actually connects you back down so that you can stay up. And so in these things with technology, how do we, how do we navigate social media? How do we, like, how can I use Instagram the right way? You have to stay connected to the reality of your life and like, you yeah. know, turn off the phone and go outside and look at the trees and, mm-hmm. you know, do those things to keep you rooted so that you can actually navigate that technology without yeah. falling over. Yeah. The root thing in the sun is very interesting because now, I mean, you've probably seen it online. Like there's a lot of influencers, um, usually, um, uh, I want to say, uh, health, you know, yeah, like yeah. kind of health fitness people. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was looking for. Um, they now recommend like going outside barefooted. Yeah. You know, yeah. Staring at the sun for 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's like, you know, get your sun exposure for <laughs> yeah. 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Take off your shoes. Right. Like put your feet on the ground. Mm-hmm. It's, so it's literally this like rooted. Yeah. And 
photosynthesis. <laughs> like yeah, get yeah, your sun yeah, for and, sure. and get your roots. Yeah. There's there yeah, is definitely yeah. a big like back to primordial movement. Yeah. You even see it among like, you know, some Catholics mm. of like this almost they desire to be like a 17th century like French peasant. Yeah. In like the south of France. <laughs> off the grid and yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah off yeah. the grid, right, right. living off the land. Right. And there's But that gets to a point of like again, we're not we're supposed to be in dominion. Like right. we're supposed to live in community. Cities are not necessarily bad. You know, right. technology is not necessarily bad. How do we use this as opposed to just ah, I wash my hands clean of yeah. it? Right, right. Because there can't be a yeah. wholesale rejection of yeah. technology. Right. Um, yeah. And when you talked about like the the heavenly city of God, uh-huh. it, immediately I thought, well, there is a piece of technology that is clearly natural to man. That's a city. Yeah. Right. Cities are natural. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is some level of technology that is. Right. Is natural and you can't mm-hmm. reject it, but I guess it's it is that line of when does it start? Like I said, then when does it become unnatural? Yeah, is it unnatural right. for man to bring back these creatures, mm-hmm. or is that actually just right? Us using our rationality, I, right. I, you know, yeah. I don't know. I think I think one thing that we can say is that properly ordered technology will always lead us closer to God. I mean, that might yeah. be a little abstract and that might yeah, yeah. be yeah. top down, mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time, I think it does gives us, it gives us a compass on uh, how to navigate uh, through, uh, if you're, you know, being, a, if you're having dominion over creation uh, as God intended, uh, tempered with a respect for nature. Uh, and so, yeah, I think, you know, just to ask yourself, like, is, is this actually leading to my um, flourishing? Mm-hmm. You know, if... If technology is not amoral, and for instance, social media is not amoral, then you have to do a lot of fighting against mm-hmm. to make it moral, right? Uh, to almost like like uh, reorient it, reorient that end yeah. to something else. Or ground it um, in something. Or, yeah. So that it, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think that's just a good principle that, uh, like, is this leading to my flourishing right. um, in union But with again, God? like, with the amount of technical... Like, no pun, like, the amount of technology we're inundated with, it would be combinatorially explosive to decide with every single piece of technology yeah, whether or not right. it's leading me to God. Like, do I need a fourth phone charger? Like, right. I have one in my bedroom. I have one in my car. Do I need one for my kitchen? Like, is that leading me to God? Yeah. Like, do I need to deliberate that and pray over it during, a like, you know, as opposed to, like, I'm ordered properly. And yeah. then I start to intuit where these things fit. Right. If I start to feel like... I'm obsessed with phone chargers, weird example, but like they're on every outlet, yeah. then it becomes a God into itself. And that's where it's not rooted into my final telos and right. et cetera, et cetera. But I don't feel like you have to then list out every technology you have and decide no, whether right. it's going to point you to God as right. opposed to this is something you kind of intuit. Yeah. I think it's important yeah. to, to remember that technology, well, yeah, an artifice, let's just say art, yeah. um, is actually a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a good thing because again, man is meant to use his reason on nature and to create something um, higher than what was before, you know, and, and that's what we say yeah. at mass, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the fruit of the earth, work of human hands, it will become for us the bread of life. Yep. And so like man is imposing his reason on nature in order to make bread. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and then, and then God gives us the bread of life uh, yep. through that uh, man making um, mm-hmm. bread, the, the Act, man-made yeah. bread. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, you can have, a, you can have man build the city of God, um, 
in, in the sense of uh, like you know the technology that it takes to build a city, or you can have man create the Tower of Babel, yeah. right? And and so the Tower of Babel is is a perfect example of technology gone wrong, where it's mm-hmm. unto myself. Mm-hmm. I, I can build, I can achieve heaven by myself. Yep. Uh, and that that divides man, and that's again technology gone wrong. Mm-hmm. But you can also make towers and steeples, right? And, yeah, and, right. And it's saying, uh-huh. it can look similar, uh-huh. but the end is actually to worship God, uh, right. and it's not a, a separation or a severing of yourself and God. So, yeah, I think that yeah, that mm-hmm. temptation to be like God is from the beginning. Yeah, that's what yeah. um, uh, we're reading this book, Carl Carl Stern's Flight from Woman, and he says that in, uh. In towards the last chapter, in the last chapter, last page says, looks like, yeah, <laughs> last few pages. Um, he says, uh, he, he, he lists a bunch of um, uh, faces of atheism, Marxism, Nietzscheism, humanism, and he says, uh, all these, no matter how diversified, all these um, facets of atheism, faces of atheism, no matter how diversified, have one idea in common any sense of dependence in man is an early residuum and will eventually be overcome mm. so the temptation in or, or the goal of any atheistic uh, philosophy is to be like god again to to shed off this the residual of uh dependency right uh and so that's that's what i think technology easily slips into that um slips mm-hmm. down that slide mm-hmm. <laughs> and saying like well if we can just not be dependent on x y or z right then we can overcome our problems, and then and then we can be self self sufficient, right? Um, but it's usually after the fact that like you gain that technology, then then you realize, oh well, this just created three more problems, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Um, like you were talking about with um, like the garments of skin. You're not you're not really um, yeah. The technology, I think it's it's only after the fact that you have that technology, then you realize, oh, there's actually problems that we didn't foresee. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can I um I want to I have this clip saved for you guys it's the end of Jurassic Park when they're sitting at the table across from each other and he Hammond basically explains that point perfectly um I just want to play that right here Ellie also says like this is not something you can think through this is something you have to feel mm. which is interesting mm. but you can't think through this one John you have to feel it <laughs> You're right. You're absolutely right. Having Nedry was a mistake. That's obvious. We're over-dependent on automation. I can see that now. Now, the next time, everything's correctable. Creation is an act of sheer will. Next time, it'll be flawless. It's still the flea circus. It's all an illusion. When we have control again... You've never had control. That's the illusion. I was overwhelmed by the power of this place. But I made a mistake, too. I didn't have enough respect for that power, and it's out now. So that basically sums up, like, perfectly the that problem of technology, is that you introduce a problem, introduce technology, and it sets an array of things you didn't expect, and then you continue to, like, double down on that thing. Like, yeah. no, we can control this. I want, like, if I just do this, if I just do this, then we'll have complete grasp. It's like, no. This was the whole chaos theory thing. It's, yeah. like it's just combinatorially explosive. It's like it's going to go out of control, and that's something you should respect before you proceed forward. Yeah. But then tying that down into more of a like God perspective as opposed to just chaos theory is yeah. that there is this preordained uh, 
order of the world, like a natural yeah. order to things that we have to respect yeah. instead of trying to supersede that. And that's the problem of technology is that it's a, symbolically, it's a hyper-masculinity. It's a hyper-masculine endeavor in a sense yeah. that it's, it's, it's piercing, it's, uh, it's, it's about discovery, yeah. going beyond. Um, and so when you're tr- it, it, it almost seems like, uh, it seems contradictory to have this scientific spirit uh, you know, innovation with technology, but then at the same time embody this respect and intuition and, mm-hmm. like she said, like feel this mm-hmm. through. It almost seems like those spirits are at odd with each other. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like that's the, that is the spirit with which we must like endeavor in our technology. Yeah. Is is yes, explore, yes, dissect mm-hmm. and, and innovate, but then also realizing same mm-hmm. time that yeah, you are not the master of all meaning and that this has to have an end in god and that you're subservient in that way right so yeah. well, i mean the thing that's in that's at odds with each other is the fundamental spirit in nature mm-hmm. the immaterial yeah. and the material so um he said uh or, or she said what was it um that there like there's some things you you have to contend with mm-hmm and one of the one of the factors that you basically didn't take into account was was nature itself, right. which will rebel against yep. it. You know, this is notes from the underground. Mm-hmm. It's like you can you can factor in all these things and you can make this all very nice, right? But human nature will fuck the system. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So same thing here. It's like you had all the you know the, the technology mm-hmm. was there. Yep. You had the gates. You had the walls. Yeah. But then nature, yeah, fucked up against that spirit, right? Yeah. And overcame it. But it's it's also uh, it was interesting. Um, Hammond said the uh, creation, what is sheer will? Yeah, sheer it's act of will. sheer act, act of the will. will. It's yeah. um, it's very Nietzschean. Yeah, yeah. You know, like the mm-hmm. that the driving force of everything is mm-hmm. the will to power. Yep, right. And so even like your self creation, like the world that you make and everything, your your mm-hmm. self project is a is a is a thing of your will. Yeah. Your own creation, as opposed yeah. to yeah. Uh, maybe a, a harmonization of things that you choose, but also things that are yeah. put upon a you. cooperation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's definitely um, definitely present in that that idea. Yeah, and that's I mean that is that scene is just it's like masculine and feminine done right, like the symbolism, like you know, yeah. it's, it's John Hammond mm-hmm. talking to a woman. Yeah. And she's embodying that feminine. Mm-hmm. Like, that's Hollywood. Yeah. You know, take note yeah. <laughs> today. Bring that back. Like, yeah. Like, you know, like, it's, it shows the difference of the two mindsets and yeah. the two um, spirits. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not saying one is better than the other, but it's like when one right. overcomes the other and it doesn't allow the other one to be complementary, yeah. then it goes awry. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. I wanted time to take a little bit of a pivot from Jurassic Park to Frankenstein because I don't know if neither of you have read Clavin's Truth and Beauty book no i haven't um no. i read that maybe a year ago but he has this a whole chapter on mary shelley's frankenstein and how he relates that to kind of uh a eradication of the feminine um there's a clip where he's talking about it with his son uh, i wanted to play for you guys and then kind of tie it into what we were talking about today and she has this image in her head of a guy in a, a laboratory she says he's, uh, he's huddling over unholy arts and she gets the idea for the novel Frankenstein. Mm. And she invents the science fiction genre. <laughs> there are some stories that they say are science fiction, but the first real science fiction novel mm. is Frankenstein. Yeah. And a lot of people, including Mary, say, well, it's really about a man who, by creating life, Frankenstein's monster, he's 
taking the place of God. Mm. But the thing is, people create life all the time. We all, you know, people create life out of the materials we're given. What Frankenstein does is he creates life without a woman. Mm -hmm. And so she's invented a genre in which women have been eliminated mm. as mothers yeah. and as a presence altogether. And the horror of that, which imbue, it's all through the story, the horror of, of a life without women, mm -hmm. it's written throughout the story, is really what this first science fiction novel and many of the science fiction novels that come after it are actually all about. Um, so, so yeah, that, that whole feminine look on this novel is interesting because it seems like he's, he would be contradicting Mary Shelley's own intention of writing that book, mm -hmm. but it... I was thinking about how it, it seems like there's actually a parallel between the two, and that's what we've been discussing this whole time, and that in taking the place of God, you're kind of eradicating that receptive nature that cre all of creation has to have in light of God, mm -hmm. and that is that feminine spirit. And so you'll see the eradication of the feminine kind of in concordance with this kind of attempt to become God and they're kind yeah. of one and the same. And that's what essentially that whole book flight from women is really about. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily women and motherhood, but it's deeper in that women and motherhood embody and are incarnational realities of the feminine spirit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, yeah. Flight from woman and wanting to be like God are like one of the same <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. And that's why, you know, like when we refer to our souls, uh, we in Latin it's anima, right? It's like this mm -hmm. feminine um, gender mm -hmm. that uh, that word is given. The soul is given because we're all receptive to God. Um, that's our end is to be receptive. Uh, so, yeah, and 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 if you're not receptive, and you want to be like God, you end up looking like Frankenstein's monster. Right. Uh, that, that's that's yeah. you know you become a monster. You become yeah. not a man. Yeah. Um. You don't become like you, you lose your humanity in that. Right. So, so yeah, let's like, let's kind of merge that a little bit more in terms of, let's go to Jurassic Park, for instance, this attempt to bring back dinosaurs, uh, with a disregard for what could potentially happen. There seems like a lack of intuition, a lack of feeling like Ellie was pointing out, um, of, uh, a groundedness of what's really going to take place in reality. And all of those things are the mass, the female spirit of knowing those things. And so it's this escape from those aspects to just create the tower. Mm -hmm. um, alternatively, it's like, well, so then how do we use this technology? What if we do have CRISPR technology and DNA sequencing and et cetera? There's that rootedness that has to take place, the groundingness, the humos, the humility. And those are all that feminine aspect that, that keeps you stable enough to then use the technology for its proper end. Mm -hmm. So that's where that like feminine ties into trying to become God. It seems yeah. like really arbitrary, but when you really think about it in terms of what spirits are at play, then you start to really see it. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I was thinking about this in terms of um, art more specifically and how the artist, you know, he, he's said to be a creator, uh, you know, and I like to write. And so for a writer, you know, to be, as Tolkien says, a sub-creator, almost like a, a, a sub-god for his own creation, he's imbuing uh, his reason into a whole world to create. But at the same time, he is also subservient to the laws of writing. Yeah, he's right. subservient to his craft. Uh, and, and we've discussed this before that, you know, a good artist can't just pull 
human nature out of the blue, right? Yep. He has to understand human nature. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. He's not the arbiter of what makes human nature human nature. Right. He has to understand it and then portray it in his world that he's creating. Mm-hmm. And so, for an artist, there's this subservient spirit that has to guide, uh, that has to guide him in creating a world. Right. Um, and I think that you can map that onto technology, scientists, uh, and technology, in the sense that you know, yes, you're creating. You, you, it seems like you are like God, but are you subservient to being? Are you receptive to the laws, um, which can guide you to create? So, yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting that in in the story of Frankenstein, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, um, uh, Victor begins his project partly because of the death of his mother. Mm. His mother dies, and then he buries himself in the in work. On, on creating this thing. Mm-hmm. And there's a few interesting points. One, talking about like consequences, as soon as it's created, he's scared and it, he flees from, from the creature. Mm-hmm. So he, and, and then immediately the creature goes off and tries to be welcomed into society, yeah. isn't, then kills Frankenstein's brother, mm-hmm. all, you know, all, all these yeah. different things that he never really saw that could happen. Yep. You know, again, the consequences. Mm-hmm. He just wasn't aware that perhaps this thing would take on literally a life of its own yep. and do whatever it wanted. Then two, the thing that he creates is not beautiful. Mm. It's ugly and it's repulsive. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think that in itself is a commentary of, you know, when you separate this truly creative act of a man and a woman, what you get is a literal monster. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get an ugly creature right. that mm-hmm. is not a beautiful child, but mm-hmm. something of you know his obsession with alchemy you know yeah. and, and his obsession with creating life on his own terms you said not mm-hmm. being receptive to the laws and in a sense perhaps his his um i don't know psychoanalyze him wanting to create life after the death of his mother yeah there's something yeah. there yeah mm-hmm. definitely yeah his own flight from woman you yeah. know um right. now his perhaps fear of women mm-hmm. in a sense yeah yeah all, all the different rest. That's, well, think, that's for a different yeah. time. No, no, this well, is about technology. Yeah, no, but but I think that, that that does say something that, like as Clavin put it, is um, the story of Frankenstein is, is a is a world without women. Mm-hmm. Um, naturally, what comes out of that, the creature is ugly. Yeah, like woman being that like the the symbol of the beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, if all you're gonna have is a male spirit, then where is the beauty? Where is the the spirit? You know, the anima. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, a couple of things in, in terms of modern times come to mind with all of this. One is uh, the lab leak theory. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, just in terms of like you do well, not know. it's not know, a theory yeah, anymore, right? Not didn't, really. Didn't well, the government yeah. recently come out and say like that's the... I mean, they the, done been saying that. I mean like, yeah. Okay, well, anyway. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's all over the we place. We all knew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and just in terms of like, you know, is there a proper way to experiment with disease and viruses mm-hmm. to what end? What is the purpose? All those things are the same questions. Um, and then unintended consequences that happen or intended, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, We're going to get marked. Yeah. <laughs> this episode is going to get marked. <laughs> um, the second thing is feminism in this kind of attempt to the wrong type of feminism and in, in, in this attempt to be like men. That qualifies yeah. their worth. You know what I'm saying? It's like, why is it that women think, feminists think that being more like a man makes them more valuable? Oh, yeah. Like, they've already bought into the lie 
that the men's game is the only game to play. Right. It's like, why, why don't you play your own game where you like are stay at home moms and homesteaders and family raisers and, and intuitive, like wisdom, beautiful beings that you yeah. are like, why have you not seen the beauty in that? Yeah. And like, you're buying into the lie that you have to become some sort of corporate hegemon. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. It's just, it kind of baffles me that they've, that, they value I mean, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All of us as a society leave that feminine spirit. Yeah. But then when fem when women do it, it looks it's even worse because they're losing a part of their nature. Yeah. And so it, it really like I feel like all of that technology problem, all of that has the largest toll on women. Yeah. Because of because it's by their nature that they're rejecting. Yeah. And I mean it's and that's just a, I think a natural um after effect of uh, a ma- the materialistic society that we live in. Is like as we become more materialistic, um, atheistic, uh, we are not going to understand what a woman is, uh, and that 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 whole um, like you know to see the beauty in a stay-at-home mom, and to see the beauty of child rearing, to see the beauty of just the the, the uh, of just being itself, not necessarily mm-hmm. doing, but just being. Mm-hmm. Uh, that requires. Um, a, a vision that goes beyond the material, it yeah. has to. Yeah. It, it requires some transcendence. Uh, if you're, if if all you're focused on is what I can produce, and the only mm-hmm. reality is um, the 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 material world around me, then then yeah, you're not going to understand that, and, right. and that's that's just that's the natural effect of uh, leaving behind a sense of the spiritual. Right. And it's, the thing is, it's mm-hmm. not just feminists. It's like, you know, hyper-capitalists that, yeah, that their yeah. only game is to seek wealth and whatever. So it's like, we've all bought into the lie. Yeah. But the ones that are going to take the biggest toll are going to be the ones whose nature is most connected. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. always women. Yep. Right. Exactly. You guys have any other points on this? No. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All right. Let's end it there then. Um, we're going to jump into the... Uh, bonus episode we've got a question in the amas that we'll answer um if you want to hear or contribute a question you can sign up at basicallyrelated.com and we'll see you on the other side